Hello, and welcome to Magical Girls Gone Canon, episode five? Is it episode five? I think. Sailor Moon Eternal, part one. Part two is going to come later, and this time we did not pick a stopping point within a season. There is a natural stopping point in which Sailor Moon Eternal is, in fact, two movies. One is part one, one is part two. So this is part one. Yeah, we'll be back at a later date to bring you part two. I am one of your hosts, Chloe. And I am another one of your hosts, Eliana. And also, fun fact, we are trying to keep this mostly spoilers free. We might like hint at things every now and then, but for the most part, we are actually doing Sailor Moon. I I think we've been pretty spoilers free about it. Especially for media that's been out for a while, to be fair. To be fair. What was it? 92, right? Is the when the first volume or 93 came out. Yeah. The very, very first Sailor Moon. And it's hard. I know a, a lot of people listening may have maybe watched the 90s anime or read the manga, so you might already be ahead. But we'll, we'll try to keep it spoiler-free for now. Yeah, and I think this one is actually fairly similar, if I'm remembering correctly. I didn't rewatch the 90s anime for this one, but mostly... Mostly pretty similar, other than, you know, more elongated, Monster of the Day stuff. This one's very faithful to the manga, and honestly, this is the arc in the manga that I know best, because this is the one that my family let me purchase, and also that I read <laughs> on the toilet over and over again. <laughs> oh, I feel that one so much. Thank you for your honesty today, Eliana, yep. Sailor Eliana. I have a lot of honesty. I'm the pretty soldier of honesty and sharing. Hmm. <laughs> hmm. Yeah, I guess this is what Super S technically. Yep. Is this what this was? So this is uh, Super S or Supers. Yeah. I've I've still never supers. actually figured out if it's pronounced Super S or Supers. And actually, people have given that answer. I just don't remember. Oh uh, yeah, we had Sailor Moon, the first arc, then R, then S, then Super. Ass, supers and then uh stars which i like stars i feel like i was too young to really Same. yeah i was too young to understand slash get it but i liked it and i feel like this also was the arc that was like for me as a youngster this was the culmination of my watching like i was like i get it i understand the pretty guardians and what they stand for and what's going on on the screen and all the emotions and themes. So it holds a really special place in my heart. And I think we talked about this in our first season episode for crystal, but it just makes me think of my Nana and Papa. Cause I'd go stay with Aww. them in the summers once in a while. And I would get to watch sailor moon whenever I wanted. That's pretty sweet. You'd be yeah. able to actually follow the every day. Yes, Stars, which is the next arc, which is Cosmos, which is released in Japan this year, is coming internationally any minute now, but not in a winds of winter kind of way. Like, it's actually going to happen any minute now. It exists. People are trying to make money off of it. Okay. We're already seeing this happen. Yeah, I agree. I don't think I appreciated, like, Stars until I was older and, like, had more life experience to kind of, like, get what mm -hmm. Takeuchi was doing. But at the same time, like, that is the one arc, like... Super S is the final arc that aired in the of the 90s anime in the US. They never did the Stars arc or Star mm -hmm. S arc in the US as a dub on like cable television or whatever. 
And there were, of course, a couple handful of different movie events and whatever in the 90s. But yeah, never they never gave us this because now that we're older. Yeah. yeah, they could give us this one. Now that we're older and gayer and weirder, you know, uh-huh. that arc is fucking fire. Like, now that I'm old, I'm like, oh, that that's insane. So seeing that on the old big screen, and by big screen, I mean my wall from my projector will be it fucking awesome. It is a big awesome. screen. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you've seen it. Yeah. It's big. Well, we're going to cover part one today like we said up top. We'll come back for part two in the following months. So stay subscribed to us on a podcast feed near you in order to see when that pops out. If you do not listen to us regularly, welcome. Welcome. We are a podcast that usually covers books and some TV. We have a main series where we're covering A Song of Ice and Fire, POV by POV character, one character at a time, chapter by chapter. It is a blast. Come listen to that spoilery podcast if you're into that series. Uh, We've also covered the His Dark Materials series in full and we're covering all sorts of stuff. But right now, our Magical Girls series is starting with Sailor Moon. And soon, if Cosmos, like you said, is going to come out ending, I suppose. I mean, there are other, like, Maho Shoujo, if we decide to. We could keep being Magical Girls, but we don't know. We've not made any decisions. I don't... Do you count Digimon as Magical Girls? Because I kind of feel like they are. I think the third season especially, maybe. Mm. Or no, I think season two with... uh, with Renamon even more, but I thought Renamon was three. With is it um, three? Yeah, with Rika and Renamon, but the two it, the two seasons are like the first two ones, so it's like yeah. kind of one thing. But I think what four? It's either four or five where they actually typically always merge, or like the they do transform into a Digimon mm-hmm. spirit. I didn't watch those seasons; those are much later. But in a way, I watched that, kinda. but I never read his Dark Materials as a kid. That's fucked up to think about. Is it? I, I know. I don't think so. I'm proud of you. I saw like this can at the grocery store recently, and I was like, oh my god, that's a Digimon. So I bought the soda. <laughs> I haven't Dude, tried I it love yet. Digimon. I'll send you a photo. I will send you a photo. Digital I monsters, love the third season. I love Rika and Renamon. Yes. They are. Yes. Yeah. They were well, everything to me. Anyway, sorry. You guys um, heard it first. We're going to be covering Digimon someday. Uh, it's I mean, been decided. Only the episodes of Rika and Renamon. <laughs> Only the third season. <laughs> I'd say for me, card captors, that, those would be fun. Those would be a fun time. Yeah, and they even like continued card capture soccer. I, I forgot if they've wrapped up this, the clear card arc or not, but they picked up again. Make sure you head over to patreon.com slash girlsgonecanon, where we might, you know, post about our Magical Girls series. Gossip Girl is also a Magical Girls series. Honestly, Um, maybe. (laughs) And we're going to do this one a a little differently today, I think, because it's in movie format. We're going to give you a brief summary up top, and then we're going to talk about it for a bit today. It is, you know, one part, one half of the whole. So. It may not be a long one today, but it'll be a good one. Yeah, we have about what? This movie was about an hour and a half. Yeah, about an hour 21-ish, somewhere around there if I remember. Yeah, we start out, it's a new stage also in the girls' lives. Chibiusa is getting ready to go home again, and everyone's in high school now, which is, I think, what? Starts at, maybe it's also 14 or 15, I think, in Japan. Mm-hmm. And Chibiusa explains, it's amazing that Usagi made it to Juban High School. And I want to provide context briefly on this as to why it's amazing. It's not just that she passed whatever grade she was in. It's also amazing in that, like, 
her other friends are in this high school and in order to get into high schools, specific high schools, you have to take an entrance exam in the way people take SATs, but it's standardized in the US, right? Um, I think in Japan, you have to take individual like exams for each school, whether that's high school or like university. That shows us a lot about Yusagi's maturity level since the last time mm, we saw her in Crystal, point. right? And her growing up, she put her pedal to the metal, her nose to the grind, and she studied. And well, Amy made her study, and <laughs> she's <laughs> at Juban now. And that's yeah. kind of where we open up with them as Juban school attendees. And Chibiusa is going back and forth, time traveling home. You know, she comes. They got they got Chibiusa on the weekends, man. But uh, I'm just kidding. They they have her for bigger bursts of time. But we start with Yusagi and Chibiusa going to go home or send Chibiusa home. And they receive a vision from a Pegasus named Helios who needs their help. And then we get our villain intro. The I love the Dead Moon Circus. It's very hard to get through this without telling you how much I love them yeah. as villains. Uh, villains, asterisk. The Dead Moon Circus arrives, and they can drew a super dark barrier around the circus tent in the city, in uh, the, the business district, I believe, the shopping district down there. And Chibiusa then, in her little dream of Pegasus, hears that he needs the golden crystal to save his home realm of Elysian. Now, they can't, uh, the, the, Chibiusa can't go home, by the way. That just doesn't happen here. It ain't happen in this movie. She's not going home, guys. She's not going home in this movie. And yes, the Dead Moon Circus arrives during a solar eclipse. Very exciting. Um, they have their little eclipse classes too. And their song is way better than the way... I think I sang it maybe in a previous episode, but we can do it again. Where <laughs> my child version envisioned the song is We Are the Dead, Dead, Dead Moon Circus. Um, the movie's is better. Mm-hmm. Usaki and Chibusa's brooches get upgraded, allowing them to also transform into Super Sailor Moon and Chibi Moon. And then we also have the Amazonas Quartet. They send some of the Morris to fight, but the Super Sailor Guardians quickly destroy them. That's what happens throughout this movie. And I am very excited for the Amazonas Quartet to be here. I am holding back. I want to discuss <laughs> them more, but I have to leave some stuff for the next time. As we always say here on Girls Gone Canon, edging. My God, it's true though. They're, it's very hard not to just talk about them the entire time. I had to like cut 10 things I said and move it to next time, you know? Uh, yeah. Uh, we learn that Queen Nahalania wants the silver crystal. So everyone, yeah, everyone fucking wants the silver crystal, man. Except for uh, Helios. Yeah. He's not like and other people. Not like other horses. <laughs> He's a horse. <laughs> Of course. Queen Nahalania orders Zirconia to trap the Sailor Guardians in Nightmares, which becomes kind of our big villain thing throughout the story. The Amazon trio tries to trap Amy, Ray, and Makoto, but the girls break free and defeat them bit by bit. Helios tells Sailor Moon Nahalania cursed Elysian, causing Mamoru's chest pain, his sudden tuberculosis, and turning Helios <laughs> into Pegasus. That's a problem, right? He was just a boy before. <laughs> Sorry. Maybe that's not funny. Wrong. It's not it is funny, but <laughs> I will love you till my <coughs> dying day. That is this movie. A little bit. 
a little bit. <laughs> Sailor Moon. Oh, wait, there's a circus also, even. A little it's bit. I'm like, exactly there the are same. some. Total same. There are some interesting little mirrors that I feel like they've stolen from pop oh, culture. Mirrors. Ah. Okay. I mean, I think it's all a coincidence. But <laughs> mirror, anyway. mirror by M to M. Oh, I'm glad you remember M to M. Sailor Moon uh, gets cursed as well throughout this. She she hugs Mamoru and then she gets cursed because that's how it goes. STDs, man, or like Kif. Getting got the got the sailor clap. Got the sailor yeah. clap. Oh god. Minako cannot transform. Vest Vest sends twins to attack her. Artemis, uh, oh my god, in the most painstaking scene we're going to talk about, Artemis gives her her sailor crystal, her Venus crystal, from within, after transforming into a human. <laughs> and she can then transform into super sailor Venus, defeating the twins. Palapala traps the sailor guardians in vines. Yusagi gets sick from a black rose growing within her, just like within Mamoru, and Zirconia brings darkness to Earth with accumulated nightmare energy. And that's part one. I mean, pretty much. That is pretty much part one, and yeah. So, let's jump into it. Yeah, right off the bat, I want to say it had some great animation. I don't know the technicalities or how the sausage is made on the difference between you know doing the movie versus the season mm-hmm. i'm sure the timing is a lot different you have some different goal posts going on that you have to hit when it comes to a tv show right so i actually really liked a lot of the animation there were some silly moments there were a couple of background shots that would stand out to me where things were slightly like just slightly skewed wrong perspectives uh like jupiter's yeah. ring that she gets from the the tea shop It has a very thick band, right? Like, so thick in the shot from afar. But then up close in actual animated shots and not in stock photo, it's very delicate and thin, the band is. So, like, if you watch under the table, when it zooms out on this very still shot, it's a very different ring. Very much. And it should not have caught my eye, but the whole point was that the ring was the subject of the scene, so it did catch my eye. Like, the whole thing was the ring. You were supposed to look at the ring. Very weird. Very odd. Yeah, there's some, like, weird stuff that happens. I I don't know if, like, they found they were running on a budget around Jupiter's scenes in general. But like you said, a lot of the animation is great, and maybe it's because they could put a little more time into it just because it is a shorter amount of things that they have to animate versus a whole season. Like, for example, at the end of her transformation into Super Sailor Jupiter... Her face is kind of wonky at the end, and so are her legs. And I'm like, this is a big moment. How could you not nail this? You already have the frames from the past few seasons. Just reuse those. But they do at least nail it. They nail the animation for her speech. You know, her Mm -hmm. intro speech after the transformation. I will say, this is not on the animators. Who does these fucking subtitles? (laughs) I'm sorry. Like, there's this, like, one scene... Where Jupiter, this is also in Jupiter, she she is meeting Hawkeye, right? Mm-hmm. And yeah. it says, yeah, hi, and then there's a period followed by a comma. How is this typo here? And then also, there's another typo when Sailor Venus is having like her scenes of like, stand back, I'm gonna with this thing. It's supposed to say win this thing. Anyway. Um... Yeah, I definitely think those subtitles were outsourced and weren't, uh, either they gave them bad scripts or they didn't check the quality, the QA on it. My God. 
it's like it's like last season where I was mm-hmm. like furious about them getting Sailor Saturn's Sailor Saturn's attack wrong, which is supposed to be I was like, this person is they're just they're just my enemy now, you know, like <laughs> they said Death Ribbon Revolution and it's supposed to be Death Reborn Revolution, which makes sense. Anyways, I also feel like I kind of wanted like it works, it's fine, it does the job. But there are things like I kind of wanted a cooler animation when like the normal store-bought kaleidoscopes transform into the cool weapon ones that they use. Mm-hmm. Like I want to see it at least like elongate and be like it's becoming it as opposed to just they did like a quick flash and they're like it's this now. And I like I get it. I get it. There's only so much manpower. Telescoping almost, right? Like you wanted it to like slide open. Yeah. Yeah. I wanted to see it like transform and grow into that. Mm-hmm. So... Um, I will say also, though, I did love, for example, like during Ami's stuff, I think that they did a really fun job incorporating like horror elements of like horror films into like the way Fisheye comes out of the mirror and drags her in. Like, I thought that they animated that really well. And God, even that, like the personification of those guys was like, ugh. like it was uh, just pulling the animals. Out. There was a lot of really dark humor with the villains mm, this time yeah. that I loved, like where she's like, all right, time to come to life and just pulls these like stupid looking <laughs> animals out. Amazing. Yeah, wait, no, it was kind of funny. You're right. We're, they're animals. They're and their these. outfits, right? Like look at their outfits. They were like, they were very interesting because their outfits were all made of like their environment and the place they were like fish eye. He had on this very, and, and I've seen, I've seen this on a runway somewhere where it was like that, um, you know that vest material, like the puffy vests? Mm-hmm. He's wearing like yeah, a puffy yeah. bodysuit. And I've actually literally yeah. seen this on a runway somewhere, I swear. But it has like a fishbone on their crotch. And I, it had me cracking up where like the fishbone <laughs> was just like right on where, you know, where the pelvis area is, where genitalia is sometimes had. Yeah. But because they're fishes, maybe not like that, you know, just like in Barbie. There's nothing down there. but maybe there is for the other animal well no not for the bird but for the tiger um they're made different than us and yes yes they are eliana i'm really glad that you caught that one (laughs) i i I don't know if it's clear with between the horse little girl romance okay so there are some major definite boundaries and lines eliana some just They're some. different. I'm just saying. <sighs> I will say something that's kind of fun. I don't know if I like it or not. I will say that. I'm ambivalent about some of the shots are like literally the same as in the manga. And on one hand, it's kind of cool to see it brought to life that way. Like, for example, the entrance of the Dead Moon Circus looks almost exactly mm-hmm. like how it's illustrated. Or there's this other one of like Nehalania's mirror that like happens almost at that exact same time. It might be in part two. I don't remember. And I I don't know. On one hand, I like it. On the other hand, I'm like, did they? Was it late? Is it lazy? I'm not sure. I will also say I think this is the first of the transformation animations where it shows like the weapon or like the symbol for the inner sentry as they transform. So that's fun too. Yeah, and I actually really liked how it was done. Like it had that very beautiful gold outlining to it. I thought that looked really snazzy actually in the background when they like, especially because they couldn't transform at first. It needed to be spectacular that finally they broke through and they were able to. Yeah, I agree. So with the exception of Sailor Jupiter's face at the end of that one, 
love the transformation <laughs> sequences this time. I have to say, it, it was weird. I went into it. I watched part one. I haven't seen part two. I watched part one when it came out. And I guess huh. I just never went back to part <laughs> two. This is like Meat House Man all over again. <laughs> I have to outlive that. Uh, to be fair, like I just think I didn't go back to it when it came out. Mm-hmm. You know how it goes. Because there was a little bit of a wait, I feel like. Wasn't there a wait between them or no? I don't remember. Yeah, it's this been a while. This was during the pandemic, so I, I th- I'm pretty sure. So I think I like blocked that all out. Who were we? We don't know. But I, I really <clears throat> liked the pacing. On rewatch part one, the pacing for the characters, and keep in mind, this is too, like, it's a lot more of a collected, you know, a controlled amount of characters. Um, We didn't have the outer senshi to contend with. We didn't have all these, like, random characters. We had the new villains, the main villains, the new villains, their little puppets, and the girls, the girlies. So because it was so contained in the amount of cast and the amount of story as well. Like, you have an hour and a half to tell this story. I thought the pacing was better paced than Crystal um, in some aspects. I mean, I think some some aspects, no, but as far as character development, not only were the inner senshi developed really well, which we'll talk a lot about here, the villains were believable, and you actually get a really good bit of characterization with them. Um, Not necessarily as an each, but as a whole to start yeah. and we didn't really do villain of the week with death which was nice it that i feel like that could take away from it so in turn the scouts themselves got more stage time and we kind of got to use those big themes of dreams right to help us get to know them individually apart from usagi and chibiusa who we obviously know their whiny asses what they want i love them to pieces but you know we got to see ray at her shrine and really you know, talking about how she wants to be good at this for her grandfather's sake, right? That she wants to really live up to his image. And Makoto, who wants love or also independence. She could have both, Mm, right? She wants to be able to do something with her life and do the things she loves and start a family. And of course, of course, with Amy, we see, uh, oh God, heart-wrenching, right? Amy's plot really sad to see that she's like i also just want love i want someone to see me for who i am and love me still and she has major abandonment issues holy shit i love that girl i'm so sad for her i worry about her but i thought uh uh, each and every one of the scouts venus too had a great her arc was really fun she had that celebrity little arc go save the kids some batman joker-esque shit going on there basically the hunger games yeah it was like hunger games in bikinis and the Joker had tied some kids up. Like, that was pretty... It was wild. Hunger Games were Love Island. <laughs> Isn't that still the Hunger Games? Yeah, actually it is in a way. A different kind of hunger? I agree. And, yeah, I think, so... I remember the first time I watched this, and maybe it's more in part two, I found the pacing really rushed. I was like, oh, I felt like they kind of... Just straight adapted the manga without any kind of, I think, pacing. But I think they just didn't even think about the pacing in seasons one and two at all. Mm-hmm. They also were kind of just wrote adapting the manga, whereas I think season three was really good with the pacing and of Crystal and did a good job. But you're right, I didn't really feel that way when I was rewatching part one. And as you were saying, right, like I feel like people, each of the senshi got a spotlight and we even like dove into Chibiusa. 
yeah his, like arc quite a bit absolutely there was a lot for chibi yusa this time too it kind of expanded on that pressure to be like yusagi and um understanding where she fits in the family right that she feels kind of like an outsider and that she loves her dad kind of still but she also is like but he's my dad and i know that so now i have to do something else <laughs> yeah she's like learning she's got to just grow up you know mm-hmm. like and it it must be really hard living in your beautiful mother's your beautiful sorry ageless perfect mother's <laughs> shadow for 300 years that's what my never- mom wants Growing boobies, which is apparently all she wants. She's like, I just want my chest to be soft. Like, okay. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah, femininity and growing and aging. She wants that. And yeah, it was a very Chibiusa-focused intro, this part, right? Part one is very much Chibiusa-focused. It showed us that she's becoming her own character and that she's crucial to the future. And her plot with Pegasus I've always loved. Oh my god, the Tinkle Bell. When I was a kid... I loved that shit, man. That was my favorite. Dreams are such a big central theme, right? With Pegasus obviously stepping into these dreams of theirs and Chibius's first crush, right? Like her first like, oh, he's calling me fair maiden. He sees me as pretty. He sees me as an actual person. That's exciting. That's a very big awakening for her that she can be seen outside of her mother's extension, right? Usually everyone sees her as Yusagi Jr. That's literally her name. Yusagi Jr. Lorelai. Lorelai, yeah. For real, for real. There was something else I watched recently that like did the same thing. It was like, lol. That's funny. I love that, though. Like, Part of me is yeah. like, it, it's got that stupid ironic, like, so feminist. Men do it, why can't I? Because <sighs> sometimes it's stupid. Yeah. <laughs> My dad was named after his dad. That's not very kind of me. He's a good man. But it does sound stupid, usually. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, and yeah, I I like the digging into like Chibisa, and again, also you know her first crush and the Twinkle Yell Bell stuff. I didn't think about it till recently, but like the I didn't think about it till this watch through. But the fact that the words are Twinkle Yell even kind of reminds me, even though we're talking about her stepping out of her mother's shadow, like that was one of Usagi's first attacks we saw she's just wailing she's just wailing and then sends out supersonic stuff that is not what happens with Tribuse's twinkle yell it's it's different it's different from her mother's you know she's not really in this first part but she's important to Tribuse's character as a whole and it makes me think of saturn's weapon being the silence glaive and that Tribuse uh-huh. gets a tinkle a twinkle bell Tink- that actually literally rings a tinkle yeah. bell i don't know what that is I, I, there's something there <laughs> Something there. Yeah, yeah. We get this introduction to Sailor Moon's Elysian, right? A different Elysian than one that we might know, but the capital of the Golden Kingdom of Earth, ruled by Prince Endymion during the Silver Millennium with Helios as its guardian. Obviously, as we see, Helios has been captured. Prince Endymion has failed because he's on Earth with tuberculosis. Uh, Fail, failure. The Black Log. The black rose log. The, the, the black rose log. Sir, you have something in there. You have to get it out. You have to get it out. Now, of course, Elysian, Elysium, Elysian Fields, it's an easy yep. one, right? That's classic mythology. The home of the blessed after death, the final resting place of souls of the heroic, 
and the pure, you know, like heaven for good guys. And unfortunately, the circus doesn't like heaven for good guys. Mm-mm, they do not. Yeah, it's like, I guess, kind of like their silver millennium in a way, but no one knew that they were there just chilling under the earth or in the core of the earth having a good time, but apparently a very, very bad time all of this time. And we get introduced to it. First, you know, bits are revealed as stories go. There's a Pegasus, which is technically an alicorn because he has a horn. And I have watched My Little Pony, Friendship is Magic. The unicorn horn, though, the fact that he is kind of a unicorn, not just a Pegasus, kind of plays into another legend. Takeuchi is, like, very amazing at her mythological knowledge and le- knowledge of Western legends and stuff in general. And I actually learned a lot of things because I was interested in Sailor Moon. That's kind of how I got into mythology, I think, in the first place. And there is, in legends, about unicorns that a maiden, of pure heart, usually, and by that we mean a virgin, would be able to lure and then trap the unicorn. And so that's why we're seeing like all of this language around maiden when Helios is looking for whomever and you'll see like in some famous tapestries from like the middle ages like the hunt of the unicorn that's a very famous depiction of a unicorn that is in captivity surrounded by a field of flowers which i think was likely an inspiration for takeuchi in this depiction of helios but they were also like let's make him also a pegasus and give him wings because we love wings because it's a magical girl thing also, Helios's eyelashes as a horse, they are so big. What mascara are you using? <laughs> Just doesn't deserve them. Yeah, no. I like that you brought in this tapestry, though, because there's another one. Uh, I've seen it at the Met. It's the unicorn surrenders to a maiden, I think. And it's a maiden, like, and a unicorn kind of bending to the maiden or whatever. So it, it it's definitely a great gateway drug into mythology and lore and art and culture. She does such a great job of weaving, haha, like a tapestry, uh, weaving those in, like, because Elysian is like a reference, but we really don't get more than that. You know, like, we don't need to get more. We don't need to see it be all, like, Roman, Greeky, shimmering. Like, we yeah. see the destruction. We know. We get it. There's the reference. Uh, but it's also something easily Googleable. Even, like, in the aughts, you could Google, you know? Yeah, that just actually Jeeves how it. like I found a lot of this stuff. I think. Yeah, I asked Jeeves it all the time. It took a long time. Yeah, we had to wait a long time to get those answers when you Googled it, but you could do it. <laughs> oh, and your Dial mom would up. yell at you and be like, "Are you on the internet again? I need the phone." Yeah, actually, the good that's days. Much what it was like. <laughs> yeah. Mm. Back in my day. <laughs> I totally like, even though they're you know. How old are they? 300 and 900, you said to me earlier? How old are they? I don't know. Well, that's my guess, right? Because if Helios was the priest from probably during the time of the Silver Millennium, he's at least like a thousand years old, like, is my guess, right? That's why it's a millennium or who knows what. A bazillion years old. I just think... I mean... the, The age difference between 300 and 900, maybe it's negligible at a certain point. Yeah, I mean, can I just say something without you guys all getting mad at me? Like, I just, (laughs) I think they could be a good ship once she grows up. And that happens. 
Which soon. could be at any, yeah, which could be at any point in time. She's 300. Any, could happen at any moment. <laughs> we'll come back it's to not that. Like it's uh, but yeah. Yeah, we'll come back to that because there is a moment we get to have that flip soon. I also want to say Helios, Helios's body also, like, he's kind of, I don't know, a tween boy. I thought you were going to say a twink. I'm like, damn, Eliana. Uh, <laughs> <No>. <laughs> he is though both also yes but no he is like very like young looking and i don't know if he if he's that old and he's just been stuck in that body yeah i don't know he's also a horse i There's mean they have, they have similar issues is all i'm saying like they have a lot in common that's true they do besides the horse thing but i mean metaphorically in common there yeah speaking of animals yeah, no, I want to talk about my other favorite animals. The animals actually were giving everything in this uh, part. You know, <laughs> actually, the cats. Yeah. The cats were everything, as usual. The we'll get to trio. that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Phobos and Deimos were in the episode. And those are the moons of Mars, but they are also Sailor Mars's ravens. And they are like the Statler and the Waldorf of the sky. I love them so much. It, it's great because, like, in the manga, they're definitely in the manga. Decently often, yes. I feel like, whenever Ray's there, like, at her shrine. Yeah, I love that they were here. Like, I think this is one of the most fun seasons because they are there and get such a spotlight. And they're so supportive. And I like that we get a little perspective from her grandfather reflecting on the time that she, like, the birds just came down to her. He's like, you were a little creepy child. But I loved you so much. Yeah, and I like, though, I, I really do like that we're getting these little Easter eggs, in a way, right? Like, where you get little things from the manga and from the original anime that they're showing. I feel like there's a little bit more of that, and of these little, like, Easter eggs and moments and, like, fun moments. Like, there were even mm. some, like, really silly gags in this episode, and I think they, or this episode, in this part, it's hard to remember, it's a movie part. <laughs> but there were, in this movie, like, a lot of cool moments. I'm very, uh appreciative because i feel like sailor crystal didn't leave time for it you know interesting i like they could have right mm -hmm. but i mean like i i i feel like part two maybe it was part two that felt rushed but i don't know so we'll get we'll to find it. out <laughs> we'll find out we'll find out we're getting more into the occult stuff not necessarily in a bad way occult like in general we're getting the tarot cards in mars's plot and uh we're finally getting a little more of the shrine in general and like some of the superstitious yeah. things, you know, I feel like uh, that was when we had 40 to 50 episodes per arc. That was something that they could get into a little bit more in the original series. That's a good point. Yeah, they could flesh that out more and showing that there are different kinds of, you know, magic and how when it comes to tarot, right? In general, Ray is just good at divination, mm -hmm. whether it's in the flames like Melisandre or... And of cards. course, the moon, the moon, the moon but being the card that falls and, you know, being about illusion, which is a big theme mm. in this movie and uh, fear of illusion and all sorts of things like that reflection. Yeah, I will say I have a question. There's a lot of things, I guess, like that I, I really noticed in the Sailor Jupiter stuff, apparently. How come during like so everyone has those sequences, right? So Phobos and Deimos come up during, like, Ray's sequence in which she's figuring out herself, her motivations, and they help her find that. When Sailor Jupiter is figuring out who she is, 
why is she the only one dressed in like pillowcases whereas everyone else is wearing more or less the same clothes that they were wearing when this whole sequence started this is a question well, I that think, i have i do think there's something to that though because like she likes pretty dresses she likes she's being just pretty. like very i i couldn't tell if it was that or if it's like she's just the most sexualized to an extent maybe as we know she has the biggest boobs that is canon that's true about her so i don't know yeah i don't know maybe someone at home will write in on that because i'm not sure either then all right so let's talk about something else that transforms we talked about it a little already with like the animation of the kaleidoscopes but there's a lot more going on there i love the kaleidoscopes and i love that they find them at the top i forgot that they were like supposed to be there ignoring like how somehow Chibiusa and Yusagi choose the exact kaleidoscopes that are going to transform into these weapons, uh, ignoring that they somehow were guided there and they did. But it's fine. It's fine. Kind of cute. I thought it was going to be bad at first, and I think it is kind of a fake out at first, right? Because you have the ring going to Jupiter, uh, and you have all these little, like, you know, like, is it going to be bad for them? Is it going to be good for them? But thankfully, no, it turns into these beautiful weapons. And also, it's great against the House of Mirrors at the circus, uh, mm. because Kaleidoscope is like a miniature house of mirrors, but held in your hand, right? Pieces of colored glass and other shapes, and the reflections produce patterns that change when it's rotated by you, and they kind of symbolize ever-changing and endless possibilities, right, in the human experience, which hmm. is wonderful, because uh, even at the front of this movie, Sailor Moon and Sailor Chibiusa get an evolution, they pack in an evolution, Super Sailor Moons. So that's always a fun part to watch of Sailor Moon. And Kaleidoscope is another one of those that's derived from ancient Greek. It's kalos, which is beauty or beautiful. Eidos, which is scene, form, shape. And to look, to examine, scope. Oh, okay. I did not know all that. That's great. And... Yeah, I don't remember if they, like, said in the manga, and maybe I forgot it in the movie, like, the, the kaleidoscopes, like, called to them or something. Maybe that's how they found it, but also sometimes it's just like, how did this happen? Or was it their will that caused it to transform? They look like really nice, expensive kaleidoscopes, though. So Yeah, absolutely. And, yeah, as you said, it, it pairs really well with the idea of mirrors and looking at things from a different view, looking at yourself in a different view that goes on throughout this movie this arc the mirrors were really interesting to me let's talk about the mirrors uh, as as kind of the weapon of choice to drag them through we were introduced to mirrors last season with sailor neptune and her fun mirror there's a, another cool mirror in this season there's a couple of them but i'm really into this fish handheld mirror <laughs> and also we see her a little nehelenia i love her voice actor but and she's inside the mirror but anyway the fish mirror i Love, too, that later on, Sailor Mars pulls Neptune's mirror out later to look at, too, which I liked because it was like they finally were pulling their own weaponry of mirror out. Like, hey, if they're going to use mirrors, maybe we should be scrying at ours. Yeah. I like the mirror lore in general being expanded on. And there's a lot of folklore for mirrors out there, right? Like, something that really stuck out to me was Chinese folklore for mirrors that... Basically, in Chinese mythology, the mirror people are creatures. Uh, they emerge from mirrors attacking and consuming humans. They normal. mirrors basically, yeah, very normal. They serve as gateways to a parallel world where twisted versions of all of us live. 
So Twisted Eliana, or maybe you're the good one, uh, Twisted Chloe, etc., living in this mirror. And the Yellow Emperor, who's a legendary hero, casts a spell that traps a demon tiger and the mirror oh. people. The demon tiger leads the mirror people. I was like, oh, isn't that interesting? We had a tiger. Uh, and traps them for 10,000 years, so watch out. Any year now, we might get fucked, is what I'm saying. Yeah, could happen at any time. Any time. Actually, no, literally, because this was, like, I think 2700 BC or something. So, you never know. Yeah, I think a lot of times people kind of see mirrors, right, as, as gateways. And so, didn't realize there was, like, this more expanded thing about that. But you see that a lot, and we see it here. It, I mean, we also see mirrors in a lot of other lore, too, right? Yeah, Russian lore is interesting. I guess they think that the mirrors, or they used to think, you know, stories show that mirrors were the invention of the devil because they had power to draw souls out of bodies, which is... It's true. That tracks. That tracks. Uh, that's it's why I'm true. always looking into a mirror. I'm like, please take it away. <laughs> My God. And uh. in Japan, there's something interesting... Yada no Kagami, which basically was a mirror that was used to coax the sun goddess out from a cave where she was hiding, restoring light to the world. So if you go to a Japanese shrine ever and you see like a bronze mirror on it, uh, that would probably be why it's the mirror of the sun goddess. I did not know that. That's so interesting. That's cool. So yeah, there's a lot around mirrors and how they're used in the season. There was also this one mirror that one of the Amazonas quartet held up and they're like look we have the mirror to do this thing and that one that was a mirror i was not impressed at i was like i can go to target and buy this exact same mirror so anyway <laughs> i also love how you know the mirrors play out they are reflecting back the senshi's inner worlds right we start off this movie talking about their dreams and a lot of them they have like kind of these goals of what we think of in terms of like what i want to be when i grow up right that's what they want to accomplish, and that's one aspect of it. Maybe it's, like, their superficial motivation. It's not bad, but it's, like, on the more surface level, and the mirrors are seen as this thing that only show us the surface. But again, like, as you showed, like, they're also seen as gateways to another world and our own inner world. And we find, through the mirrors, the inner senshi really learning their own core values and motivations in terms of they want to protect the people they love. And then they also do some like inner child work and psychology and therapy and healing their own trauma. You were discussing people's abandonment issues. And I think that there's other things that the mirrors have to do with, again, this idea of superficiality, what's on the outside. But we got to leave stuff for part two. I just want to talk about it. God. Um... <laughs> It is, like, one of my favorite things. It's, like, such a great... Yeah. The original arc is such a great ending to it compared to what usually happens in Sailor Moon seasons that I just want to talk about it now. But we'll come back to it. Yeah, and there are some literal mirrors that happen in the story. Yeah. Some very literal mirrors, right? We talk a lot about how Chibiusa wants to be her mom and sees her herself, you know, wanting to get older and be able to live up to her mom's everything and it happens irl for them they get switched around in all of the the circus playing their tricks giving you what you mm -hmm. want but not exactly how you want it monkey's paw as some are want to say um you you're the person it's that i want to say 
It's me. My favorite gag is Usagi and Chibiusa having their ages flipped, having their bodies flipped around. And it's also very like, I get it. Ha ha ha. A little lowly. I get it. Because she's all, you know, her crossing her hands over her, her, um, her pelvic area, Chibiusa, as she's now a teenager, a very sexy teenager, unfortunately, because she's wearing no clothing. She's wearing what she was already wearing. Like, they're in yeah. their same outfits. So fit. I get it. I see you guys. But also, so fucking funny. Like, it was just such a great gag to put them through. Just a classic gag to have them just switch ages. It's a classic, absolutely. And I think that the the device that they use to make it happen. They call it the Gyakutama, which I think means, like, what? Reverse orb or something like that. And so that's what a mirror does, right? It shows you a reverse image. And there, there's an aspect, you know, I'm here to also discuss Freaky Friday, starring Lindsay Lohan <laughs> and Jamie Lee Curtis, which is a similar idea, mm-hmm. if you think about it. And also gave us... The hit song Ultimate by Lindsay Lohan, which was not a hit song, but really should have been like that song holds up. And if you like that one, I recommend you also do Confessions of a Teenage Drama Queen. Yes. Yep. I loved the book and I love the movie more. Her and Megan Fox in that are incredible. And there are some other Lindsay Lohan songs in that. Yep. Also, the song first from Herbie Fully Loaded or whatever it was, mm, mm-hmm. which not a movie I remember, but I love that song. I think you're saying we're doing a trilogy of Lindsay Lohan movies. Wow. I'm not saying no. Hmm. hmm. Hey, Girl's to be fair. Lohan. <laughs> <laughs> I will say that second one was already on our list, in my opinion. I brought it up ages ago. So Interesting, interesting. Mm-hmm. Back to the mirrors for Chibiusa <laughs> and Usagi. There's something really sweet in Chibiusa getting over her crush on her dad, this part. Um, <laughs> I don't know how else to put it. And it's like a very psychological <laughs> thing. Like, little girls do like their dads, you know, but like... You know, Chibiusa, you're 300. It's about time to move on to someone a little more. Your speed, age, size, like Helios, which is happening. Obviously, that's uh, very exciting for her. That's helping her maybe get over her dad a little bit. But when she switches with her mom and age here, she sees how much her dad loves her mom. She sees Mamo loving Yusagi and taking care of her, even though she's like tiny and can't do anything even more than usual now. Like, even yeah. more than usual. And later, there's even this speech that he gives her that Mamo gives Usagi, and he's and it's so sad uh, when she finally comes back, because the gag is kind of short-lived, to be fair. Like, they, they get over it after a few scenes. You know, they figure it out, switch back. But there's this little scene where Mamo says to Usagi, like, he's scared he's always going to need to be saved or taken care of by Usagi. And that was so, it was like very sad because I'm like, oh, it's true. You will always have to be saved by Usagi. But also it was very sweet. Like that's a very vulnerable thing to feel like that you're a burden on someone that, mm. that, that this person that you love is a rock star and they can go on to do anything they want, but you're the dead weight holding them back. And that's a little bit of his dreams, right? His scared, like his fears where we learn all of the inner senshi fears for Mamo, that's his fear, that he's going to hold her back. And he never wants to do that. I, I really love that you called that out. I think, you know, that shows that people love each other, right? For mm-hmm. them especially, you know, they don't... 
want to hold someone back. They want to be able to support them and and when they're strong. And they're a family. They are a family. I mean, as as Ami sees, you know, what is a family if not a mother who's been turned into a child and their 300-year-old daughter turned into... Actually, it would be normal for someone who's 300 to look like a grown woman. Never mind. But... Yeah, they... I, they they love each other for who they are and who they've grown to be together, and that's something that Chibusa finally sees. You know, that wasn't the only emotional thing. I actually thought there were a lot of really good emotional beats in this part of the movie, part one. Personifying the animals. We talked a little earlier. That was a blast. Animation-wise, it was very fun, very silly. They were all very silly characters. Uh, very, very silly characters. They were, and I liked that about them. Like, I love that, first of all, that in the, a tiger escaping from the zoo was cause for both Sailor Moon and Sailor Chibi Moon. Like, shouldn't our tax dollars be going to, I don't know, defending something else and not from an escaped tiger in the zoo? I don't oh, know. Oh, you just want to get eaten dollars, by a I mean, tiger? Don't, we don't pay the century, but what? You just want to stalk the streets and get eaten by a tiger today? No, that's true, I don't. But also, how cool would it be to run into a tiger? It was also really funny, and I think maybe like the logic behind it was because they, they sent him, to be fair. The circus sent him. But they didn't know that. Right, but that was the point was like that Usagi and Chibiusa would immediately want to go solve that crime because that's the kind of people yeah. they are, that they're like, we have to go keep True. people safe. So it was an easy target. And interestingly enough, like while they were a little ridiculous and caricatures, they were also like very sad at their deaths, especially Hawkeye's death. Um, Hawkeye, like, dying straight up was like, I've realized my dream and lived it, even though it was only for a little bit. And I think that's something that I'm missing from the OG anime is how the villains, like, show remorse. Not the villains, but the lackeys, right? The people mm. that are doing their bidding often show a little bit of remorse as they die. And they're like, well, you know, it was, I almost had something and I got to live it for a minute. And now I'm dead at your, at your feet. And you were a powerful nemesis. Like, sometimes especially for these three personified characters, it was really sad. They didn't ask to become human and to be imbued with, like, wishes and dreams and hopes. Like, they didn't ask for any of that. The circus just, like, turned them into humans and was like, go off. And it's like, it doesn't go into it. But I think back to, like, uh, to, to Saturn and her dad, right? Like, just because you can save someone or give them life or take life away from them and you can play God like that doesn't mean you can control your fucking creations, you know? That's true, yeah. They have yeah, hopes of I, their own. They seem pretty jazzed to become human, but at the same time, like, as you said, there was the dreams and I, I'm realizing now, are they, because when we're first introduced to them, right, like, fish eye is a fish in a tank, mm -hmm. tiger eye is a tiger in a cage, and hawkeye is a hawk really looks more like a generic bird or a crow in a cage <laughs> <laughs> i've seen i've seen hawks before and uh there are there are also kind of reflections as well of helios's state right he's he's a horse in a cage in a bird cage because i guess he's also part bird as the pegasus yeah that's interesting they're all being kept in cages mm -hmm. hmm. that's awful hmm. that's terrible they never had a choice before. They never had... They weren't allowed to have dreams. Damn. Well, I mean, that's all a circus generally is, but... 
We don't have to talk about that. <laughs> we, we, we're not going to go into that today. And wait till you guys hear about the zoo. Oh my god. You know, at the end of the day, the Dead Moon Circus was targeting their most vulnerable fears, all of the Senshi's most vulnerable fears and wishes to exploit them in like this ultimate psyop to wreck them. <laughs> and yeah, it was wonderful. I mean, it was a blast to watch. It's the first villain in the Crystal Era that I feel like showed a chance and showed that they like because I feel like every other villain has just been like shenanigans, like just playing games. But they showed up and they're like, I know how we're going to break these sailor bitches. Yeah, we're going to go after what they their hopes and fears. The, some of them, it was interesting, right? They're going for either breaking their spirit by negging them or they're going for it by like, you know, trying to make them complacent. Like, isn't this what you want instead? Why are you trying so hard? This is fine. Or like, this is your real dream. This is what you want, not protecting the planet or like, just come join us and get us that crystal. So <laughs> speaking of, I want to say Mr. Xena times Blazer is the best. Oh, he yeah. Like, hands, hands Sailor Venus or Mineko, the, the card. What an amazing outfit. There, you know what that I mean, I feel like some of the I feel like some of the villains, like sometimes they can have similar outfits, but I actually feel like everyone from this arc has some really fucking snazzy outfits. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I mean, do you have a favorite of the Dead Moon Circus? Um, first of all, Pala Pala's outfit. I love her like bodice thing. And also you were talking about fisheye. I love like fisheye's, you know, pseudo Michelin mushroom it. Marshmallow Man kind of thing going on. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I think those two are my my favorite outfits from the Dead Moon Circus. I mean, the Helenia, of course, but we haven't seen her that much, but yeah. That dress is doing things for her. Oh yeah, Nahalania is mother. I mean, that's I'm sorry, but that's mother. Actually. Yeah. Yeah. It's like a strong mother off going on for her <laughs> and she's winning. And I will say I think my favorite How about you? probably Seer I really love her roses in her hair, and I like the, mm-hmm. uh, I love her hair. I like the weird little, like, braidy loops that she has going on. I like her pinkness. I like the yellow against the pink. I don't know. I really like the roses, though. I think that's what okay. I like most about her, but I like Seer Just not, you know, just not in your, in your lungs as black. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, no TV rose for me. Thank you. Yeah. I, I do like her hair, and I, I thought it was kind of fun that, like, there's this one moment where Ray when she's holding Sailor Neptune's mirror, her hairstyle is kind of similar to, I don't know, I, I pronounce it Sarah Sarah, like Sarah's or whatever. Oh, yeah, that makes sense. Maybe it's, like, Siri, cereal? I don't know. I was thinking, like, clouds, but I really didn't think about it, like, Cirrus clouds. Mm, mm. Also, I want to say that I feel as though June June's pants, especially the way that they're portrayed in the movie... With, like, that kind of, you know, cut out. I feel like I've seen pants like that in style lately. Like, that low-rise mm. bagginess, but with the cutout there on the hip bone. Mm-hmm. I really like those, too. I like... It's it's hard because they're the kind of characters that you look at and you immediately go, how do I cosplay it? <laughs> you know? And I'm like... there There's a lot of things in between me and cosplaying that they're in, like, these bikinis, so... Yeah, I'm like, first of all, I'm 31. Yeah. Second of all, <laughs> I'm never so gonna have that body again. Yeah, <laughs> it just goes away after a while. Sorry. <laughs> well, we could commit crimes and 
be banished. So, what do you think about their weapon of choice with the lemurs? Lemurs, lemurs? I can't the- remember. I don't actually know how this is pronounced. I thought um, they pronounced it lemurs, and every time they said it, I know what they look like, but like in my head, I thought they were going to be monkeys. Yeah, I don't know if those are named after this this thing. I, in the sub, it's pronounced like lemuris. I don't know. I say lemuris because it helps me distinguish them from the from like Zabumafu, and the lemuris apparently come from the Roman religion and represent like vengeful spirits of the dead. You know, ones that were not yet at rest. So I don't know. They they're fine. They're fun. It's this this seasons or not seasons like tool of choice yeah they always have something those villains up their sleeves they remind me of like the little soot soot sprites in yes spirited away but evil (laughs) i also love the single eye of zirconia just like flying around like a little like observation drone and i think zirconia feels very much inspired by the gray gray eye which is a term meaning the old women in ancient Greek. There were three of them. And in the hit movie Hercules, which is, oh my God. Uh, you know, even though I like to tell people it's book accurate because I like to lie like that, it is not It is not accurate. They conflate the Grey Sisters with the Fates in some ways. And anyway, so the Grey Sisters all share like one eye and one tooth be- between the three of them. Perseus takes advantage of it. It's a whole thing. But I do think that this idea of zirconia that we'll dig into more, probably in part two, is really interesting in Nehalania's story. This idea of zirconia being inspired by mythological figures who were literally just called the old women, right? And then also this idea of dreams and dreams being associated with the future. And intrinsically, the future means getting older. That is how time works. In general, we'll go over it more again next episode, but I'm pretty sure we all have a basic understanding of time. Also, I kind of find it fun that her name is Zirconia, like you were talking about names a lot last last season, and it's often seen as a substitute for diamonds, especially when we know that like crystals play a really big role in this story. That's a really good point. Knockoffs, basically, you know? Yeah, exactly. Oh, that's interesting. The, yeah, the knockoff, not the, <laughs> the counterfeit bag. Yeah, the stitching is wrong. If you watch, you'll be able to see it. Just look. It's not, the pattern doesn't line up. (laughs) There was this really sweet moment. Oh my God. There were, again, there were a couple really sweet moments in this. And this one made me tear up a little. Helios, like, tells her, he puts his hands on her face in this dream. And he's like, love is all around you, Chibi Yusa. I hope you can see it. (laughs) And It's true, though. It, it is true. Um, it, it's really beautiful. Like the environment gets all warm. There's like a big aura flowing around them as he says it. And then Usagi busts in afterwards and is like, where were you? I'm so worried. I was worried as hell about where you went uh, right after he says it. And, and it comes back to kind of that idea we said earlier of, you know, they're a family. They're a family unit and people do love her. And I love that because, you know, in the past... Chibiusa has made very rational decisions to run away <laughs> based on thinking her family hates her. There's no fear of that now. He reminded her. Helio said, like, people love you. You just have to remember that. I thought that was very nice. And 
I love that, and I also love how they keep the outer senshi in their memory throughout it, right? That little bits of the outer senshi have bled through, even though they're not in this movie, uh, to help guide their choices and help inspire the girls and get them kind of, you know, to band together and not be a, in as much danger as they maybe would have been. Yeah, and I think it's important that he tells Chibiusa that after she's reverted to being, like, in her child form, right? Because she feels like, to some extent, like, people will only think she's valuable if she's finally a woman yeah and and tall and so there's that but also as you said i love that we get these flashbacks of the outer century because it shows that you know the impact that you have on people it stays with them even after you're not there with them physically they are still connected Mm. friendship it's magic it is that's how i learned the term alicorn Um, in the words of a great pony. Yay. I actually love that term. They're like, every pony. I do, too. I used to use it, like, ironically. I uh, have only ever seen two scenes. Really? Oh, wait, we've Mm -hmm. had this discussion multiple times. Mm -hmm. Never mind. Yeah, Yeah, the the scene I can tell you about that I know by heart from My Little Pony is indeed the Fluttershy and Rainbow Dash scene, because I have a friend who was very Fluttershy-coded. And I am, unfortunately, according to her and everyone I know, very Rainbow Dash coded. Interesting. So, yay. (laughs) Yay. (laughs) Well, let's talk about a different animal. A horse of a different color. I'm just kidding. We're talking about cats. It's a cat. It's a cat. (laughs) Now, I'm pretty sure in the timeline, uh, they didn't put, obviously, this in. But, you know, there is a movie, Sailor Moon S. Mm Mm-hmm. I recommend you watch it. It's devastating. You'll never have cried so much over a cat transforming into a human for a day in your whole life. But uh, they don't have it in here, obviously. But Artemis transforms in this part, one. And it's very brief. It's very beautiful. It's uh, really nice because Artemis is like, I failed mina and she's like no i failed you and then he's like look i'm not a cat right now i cry i cry so hard it was so beautiful it was just a beautiful moment like that together you know she can i don't know it's just beautiful together together he got her there and she didn't have to die which was nice and he didn't have to die either neither of them had to die and yeah because we know that there's like a strong bond that isn't shown as often anymore in the later seasons between Usagi and Luna, but we saw it very strongly in the first one, but... It's nice for Artemis to get a chance to be a cat outside of Luna and Diana. True, true. Agreed. And, yeah, to really see, like, the the role that he plays in Minako's story, and... Because we already know her motivation. We already know she really wants to be a good leader to everyone, and that, like, that goes well with everyone else's. I will say, like, when he saves her, if you think about it, like, he had those claws. Mm-hmm. If you look at it, because I know how cat paws work. They had to dig into her skin if he was going to keep her from falling. Oh, it's absolutely asinine. It would never work. She would be dead. But <laughs> the, no cat is that strong. The no. cat would have gone down with her. They would have both died. Well, and there's that, that moment way. where the blood, like, trickles down her arm, but then it disappears because he transforms. And I'm like, oh, so you didn't bleed? What the, what's the truth? Yeah. That said, though, like, there's something nice because when we meet them, 
originally, they've already been in place fighting crime. They're already in the Sailor yeah. Scout lifestyle, and there's a they lot of omission. It's called Sailor V. Yeah. yeah. And if you haven't read that manga series, you won't know Code kind of the prequel. Yeah. You won't yeah. know kind of the prequel information. You know what I mean? Like, you just kind of have to assume based on the writing and based on omission and what we kind of know that they were already on the scene, they were already doing this. And I love that. Obviously, we talk about that all the time. I love telling stories by not. I think that's very clever when you can do that. But it's nice to have them come back to a moment of just them so we can understand what it might have been before, before the scouts arrived and how they had to survive together. Yeah. Absolutely. And drawing each other's strengths. And also, there's something interesting here of, like, Artemis. There's a lot of animal stuff this this season. Artemis transforming, right? Kind of also as a contrast to, like, the other animals that ended up transforming into humans. Yeah. And his motivations in doing so and that he has, like, agency over that, I guess. Compared to them, like, they were forced to transform, and then they tore people apart psychologically and physically. Yeah, and didn't get to follow their dreams. And he's saving people to follow his. Yeah. And Minako also, you know, she calls him... She sees him as an equal, right? Unlike how the Dead Moon Circus treats these animals, and says that Artemis is her better half, which I raised the question of Chloe, do you feel like your cat is your better half? This is a very complicated answer, because the answer is no <laughs> matter what I say, yes. My cat is. My cat's better than me. I would never have to defend them from a life-threatening situation, but I would, if I had to. Like, if somebody mm. was trying to intrude and murder my cat, which they never would, but if they were, I would fight to the death for my cats. Now that said, did my cat last night at 5 a.m. scream through the entire house for two hours and I could not go back to bed because of that? And did I not sleep because of that? Yeah, that's a thing that happened. Did my other cat run around playing, tearing into cardboard boxes, refusing to go to bed? Yeah, that also happened. Are they better than me in my whole life? Yes. Yes, Eliana, they are. They are. Your better half. All right. So there you go. What Minako yeah. said checks out. She's right, folks. And finally, we get practically, you know, to the ending, right? We, we already went over the synopsis earlier. I do want to say, to close it all off, because I talk about the songs, the ending song bangs. I like this oh, ending yeah. song. It's got, it's got, it's got energy. Yeah, I like that it didn't, even though we ended kind of on a darker note, right? Not necessarily cliff cliffhanger, but we ended on a hanger that we know needs a whole nother part now to kind of unravel. Uh, it, it was high energy still, and I liked that because I felt like it ends kind of, not dismal, just darkly. Um, the high yeah. energy was nice, actually. It was a banger. Yeah. So, there's a lot of things that we've left for... I think part two. Yes. Yeah, there's a lot to come in part two. Uh, if you haven't already, please watch it before you return for our next episode. Over the next couple yes. months, we will be uh, writing you up another one and we'll be back. Yeah, I think, you know, you won't have to wait like that long. I don't think we, we space these out that far. We're just kind of trying to... We really thought Cosmos was going to be out already. Okay. And we're really sorry again. For our misinformation about 
the international release of Sailor Moon Cosmos. In 2024, the misinformation era must end. Speaking of things that are happening in 2024, they are bringing around Japan, the Sailor Moon Museum, right? Yeah. Exhibit? Exhibit? You were sending me some links, Eliana. What is up with that? I think you were sending me the links. I'm just making conversation, I to look Eliana. at them, but you sent the links. She's making conversation. She's making misinformation about our friendship. <laughs> but honestly, right around the corner. Well, if you have access, get over there and see it. I wish I could go see it for sure. I'm jealous of I mean, anyone that gets to oh, go. Oh, the, the museum. Because I was going to say, if even if I saw the movie, it wouldn't have subtitles. I would not understand it. Yeah. No, I, I need the subtitles. Unfortunately, I am <sighs> too you American know more to function. Than me. Yeah, as we established last time, you are a higher level weeb than I am. But I just don't think it's true, though. I just I do. <laughs> That's it. That's it. Thanks everyone for tuning in. Yeah, for Sailor Moon Eternal. Keep your ears and eyes peeled for us to return with part two, episode six of Magical Girls Gone Canon Sailor Moon Eternal. And thanks for listening. You can catch us online. Give us a Google. Girls Gone Canon, C-A-N-O-N. Follow us on your favorite podcast streaming platform. You have one. I don't have to tell you where. We're everywhere. And, of course, check out our Patreon, patreon.com slash girlsgonecanon, where there are a hell of a lot of perks for patrons in various tiers. As always, I've been one of your hosts, Chloe. And I've been another one of your hosts, Eliana. See you next time. Goodbye. Wow.